Tonight, as we have come to look into your word, Lord, bless your word, and we ask that you speak to us in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. You're welcome to service this evening. It's a month of the mighty hand of God in the year of multiplied blessings, and we want to see this evening evidences of the hand of God evidences of the hand of God, ending contentions, evidences of the hand of God, evidences of the hand of God. Very quickly, let's turn to Psalm 44 verse 2, Psalm 44 verse 2, Psalm 44 verse 2. Please, if you can read for us, Psalm 44, verse 2, please. King James. Psalm 44, verse 2. Verse Hallelujah. King James says, verse 2, How thou didst drive out the hidden with thy hand mm. and planted them. How thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, we thank you this evening. Our aim this evening is to understand what to expect when the hand of God moves to understand what to expect when the hand of God moves. On Sunday, we look at provoking provoking the strong hand of God, and we said that there are strong issues that need the hand of God, that need the strong hand of God. We also said on Sunday that there are strong men that are custodians of calamities, that need to be casualties of the strong hand of God. Strong men. So the essence of the hand of God cannot be overemphasized. It is important that the hand of God moves on our behalf. And this week and this year and this month, I believe that the hand of God will move on our behalf in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Above all, the hand of God will move in your life. Amen. At every point where you need the hand of God, the hand of God will move in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So very quickly, our aim, like I told you, is to understand 
what to expect when the hand of God moves. What do you expect? Number one, I want you to know that the battles of life are real. The battles of life are, of life is what they are real. The battles of life are very real. I remember several years ago, back in Nigeria, when we met a young man who sleeps for eight months without waking up. He will sleep for eight months without waking up. He will, his hair will grow. He looked like he was carrying an afro. He could hear everything that was happening around, but he's still sleeping. And the Lord began to lay in my heart that what happens is, because it started like a sequence. He slept for 24 hours. People were not worried, but not too worried. Then he slept for one week. Is it not so? Three days or so. Three days. Then he went to seven days. Then from seven days, one month. From one month, three months. From three months, five months. Then from five months, it was eight months. He was sleeping when his university admission, he lost it. He was sleeping, his father died. He was sleeping, his mother died. He was still sleeping. He was sleeping, they carried him to an uncle in a wheelbarrow. He knew they were carrying him and went and dropped him in an uncompleted building. For him, what kind of thing is it? He just died here. And then all of a sudden he woke up and then the one he was sleeping was the eight months that we came to meet him. And they brought him to a meeting after praying for him, he got up, he woke up. And then he thought that the battles were over because now for a long time, he didn't sleep again. One year, I think it was after two years, he went back to the sleep and they came to, because when he woke up, I told him, come and be discipled. Come and be discipled. Come and listen to the word, grow in the word of God. Enable yourself so that the strong hand of God will always speak for you when the enemies of your destiny arise. But he refused. He chose to go and start drinking and frolicking. And then two years later, the affliction came back again. And they came to call me. And I told them, I wish I could help him. I wish I could help him. I don't know the continuation of the story. But all I'm saying is that there are real issues in life that people need the real hand of God to intervene in their lives. There are people who think that everything that happens is what should have happened. No. The Bible talks of wickedness in high places. So the evidence that there are issues everywhere shows us that there is need. There is what? There is need for the moral hand of God to show. I'll read it. I'll take it like this. The battles of life are you but the hand of God shows a moral evidence that God has the power to deliver us. I say it again. The battles of life are real, but the hand of God shows a moral evidence that God has the power to deliver us. If you read the Bible, you will see that the greatest of death was when Jesus died on the cross after three days. He, the reason why I call it the greatest is because he was dying for the whole world. Lazarus died out of sickness. Jesus carried the sin of the whole world. Are you following me? Lazarus died out of sickness. It was not say it was sickness that killed him. Are you following me? But Jesus was carrying the whole sin of the, the sin of the whole earth, and all of hell was waiting to see how he woke up, how he rise from the dead. But the hand of God raised him and made him a Simon sure to everybody. That is the strength of the gospel. 
that Jesus died and resurrected after three days. Can you jam your hands together for Jesus? That is showing the evidence of the power of the hand of God. Jesus speaking, he said, I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up. Talking about his own life. My prayer for you is that this season, the evidence of the hand of God will shamify every contention. We silence every battle. We rubbish every gathering. And bring to shame the antics and the synergy and the agreement of hell. Anywhere around your destiny, around what concerns you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Quickly, still in our aim number two, to note the battles of life. Are you following me? Still to, to, to go, I'll, I'll say this. God has provided us. Sorry, God has promised to fight for us if we promise to serve him and worship him obediently. He has promised to fight for us. If we promise to serve him and worship him obediently. What did I say? He has promised to do what? To fight for us. He has promised to fight for us. He has promised that his hand will be stretched out. As long as we serve him and worship him obediently. Job chapter 36 verse 11. He said, if they obey and serve him, they will spend their years in prosperity and their days in pleasure. Not pressure. Job 36 11. That is God telling us that if we choose to serve him, he will battle with the pressures of wickedness. He will battle with the pressures and the things that put us under pressure so that we can live a pleasurable life. Ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing that is better than the peace of God that passes all understanding which the hand of God gives. This evening, this evening we're looking at the scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Is it 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 1? Second Chronicles. 2 Chronicles, sorry. And then 2 Samuel 7 1. He said, and the Lord gave him rest. Roundabout. It is God's hand that gives people rest. That enables them to stay in peace, live in peace, enjoy peace, and be peaceable. Hallelujah. May the hand of the Lord go into the battles Amen. that you may be in or that is facing you at this moment and give you total victory Amen. in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Very quickly, I want, to, I want us to look at this. What are the evidences of the hand of God bringing battles and contentions? To an end. What are the evidences? Scriptural evidences of where the hand of God ended contentions, ended battles, and brought victories. Number one, because of time, we're looking at the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 14, verse 24 to 30. Exodus 14, 24 to 30. The children of Israel. Exodus 13, Exodus 14, 24 to 30. Please, if you can, read, read that for us. Exodus 14, 24 to 30. Exodus 14, 24 to 30. I'll read. Let me read. 14, 24 to 30. Because of time. Okay, please. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Exodus 14. 24 to 30. 24 to 30. I read in Jesus' name. Amen. It says... And it came to pass that in the morning watch, the Lord looked into the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud. 
and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took up their chariots' wheels that they drove them heavily. So that the Egyptians said, Let us free from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched out forth his hand over the sea, and the Hallelujah. sea returned to his, his strength when the morning appeared. And the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Verse 28. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, and all the hosts of Pharaoh that came into the sea after him. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon the dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptian dead, Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Amen. Are you seeing that? This is hand versus hand. He said, God saved the children of Israel out of the hand of the Egyptian gods and the Egyptian wickedness. My prayer for you is that this season, God will save you perpetually. Amen. Every hand standing against the hand of God in your life, the hand of God will break them to pieces. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So we see the children of Israel. I was there, that's good, and I noticed that there was something I've never seen before. Because when we watch movies, they always say the children of Israel had finished crossing and then the water closed. But in scriptures, the water closed from where the Egyptians were and sent them to the seashores. While the children of Israel were still walking. Right there in the midst with water on this side and on this side. He just divided them. Today, heaven puts a demarcation between the works of wickedness and whatever has been chasing you. They stumble and fall. They are swallowed and you gain the victory. While you are still walking in the miraculous and people are wondering how you are able to permit and go through this. For the enemies of your destiny shall be put to shame. In the mighty name of Jesus. I want to prophesy to you this evening that whatever is troubling your destiny, between now and the end of this month, you will never see them again. Amen. The way the Bible says, this is the hand of God will move on your behalf. Whatever it is that is troubling your destiny, the hand of God will move. And Amen. like the Egyptians were never seen again, they shall never be seen again. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you. We give you praise and glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So the children of Israel saw the hand of God. Before then, there had been diverse plagues, all kinds of plagues, from, from the water that turned to blood, to frogs, to lice, to hails, to, to all kinds of things. Five, in fact, the, God was throwing down hail. It, it looked like the people were still trying to understand. He added fire to the hail. All kinds of things. It was just his hand. May God's hand appear on your behalf this month. Amen. May he appear on your behalf this week. Amen. The Bible says by morning time, by tomorrow morning, I see you get a major victory. Amen. I see you gain a major victory. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Number two is the family of Rahab. Rahab and his father's Rahab and her father's house. Joshua chapter 6 verse 25. Rahab and her father's house. Joshua chapter 6 verse 25. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Joshua 6.25. If you are there, please read. 
And I read in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 20. Joshua is 25. And he says, Reading to this, Amen. Are you there? I'm there, but the one about it is oh, no, it's okay. Please, and please, Joshua said, Rehab, the hallowed alive, and her father's household, and mm. all that she had. And she dwelt in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Hallelujah. Amen. Now you see that God's hand does not just go with physical issues where people gather together physically. It also meets with, with iniquity personality battles. There are people that their battles are mental. Their battles are personality based, identity based. The person has been involved in things that degraded them, made them look like they don't qualify. Mental battles. Life, emotional, all kinds of things. The hand of God appears in every dimension. We saw a, a whole nation. Now we are seeing a family and a personality. And this is not just, the woman was not a thief. She was not fighting with any demons, so to say. She was not fighting with anybody. She, was, she didn't have a problem with neighbors. But she had a battle of iniquity, personality, identity. Permit me to use that. That means her personality cannot upgrade. What she had gone through had kept her as a low life. But the hand of God came. And the hand of God moved her. By reason of her, there was not just deliverance for her, but there was deliverance for her family. Her family already had the stigma. The parents of Rahab, the prostitute on the wall. The mother of Rahab, the brother of Rahab. Now, if you notice, this is a communal place, even to the extent that the king recognized that the people passed through her place. She was a notorious sinner. She was a notorious harlot. But at one point, the hand of God was stretched and changed everything about Rahab. So the Bible says very clearly that from that time, Rahab's life was transformed. If you read the book of Matthew chapter 1, I think between verse 5 or so, you will see how Rahab was mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. That is showing you that no matter what your, how the devil has bastardized your destiny, no matter what the lies of the enemy is, telling you that you are a nobody, the Bible says God will pick the beggar from the dunghill and set him among princes. The Bible says promotion neither comes from the east nor from the west nor from the south. He said, but God is the lifter of all. He will bring down one and he will take up another. Psalm 75 verse 6. That is God saying no matter how down you are, his hand can take you up. Hallelujah. His hand can move you to the next dimension. Hallelujah. From the prison, Joseph became a prime minister. Yeah, that yeah. is telling you that the hand of God is not short. Hallelujah. The hand of God Hallelujah. is not limited. Hallelujah. The hand of God cannot be hindered. Hallelujah. The hand of God cannot be held back. Hallelujah. Once his hand moves, somebody's story is about to be changed. Amen. Can I declare to you in this season, God is about to do something. You have been hearing it before that God changed somebody's story. Permit me to tell you that God is about to do something for us. Amen. That will show that God has wiped away everything mm. that looks like degradation, mm. low life, shame, reproach, no, personality no, no, no. crisis, no, identity no, no. rubbish. I declare that so shall God move your life forward Amen. in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Find out that God also deals with things like that. And Rahab was shifted. Number three, because of time, is David. David over Goliath. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 27. 
and then 49 to 51. Please, King James, Pastor Joy, can you read for us? King James, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 27, and then 49 to 51. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Yes. From verse... Verse 27, and then you skip it and go to 49 to 51. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I read from 27. Yes. And the people answered him, after this man are saying, so shall it be done to the man that killed him. I skip to... First Samuel 17, 27. Mm, 17, 27. I read okay. 27. Okay. Then I'll skip to 28. Yeah. No, 49 to 51. Please. 49. I read it in Jesus' name. It says... And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone stuck into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the shed thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And with and when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until you come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Sharian, even unto God and unto Ekron. Hallelujah. Praise Amen. God. That is a personal life battle. That is what a personal life battle. David was fighting for God. One of the things that people forget is that there are battles that look personal. It's a battle to stand for God. That's what people always forget. When you have battles and it look like you are tempted to compromise, it is not your battle. You are standing for God. You are fighting. You are defending the cause of God. You are so don't let the enemy defeat you because your defeat is a defeat for the church. That is why the hand of God is always available to defend those who will choose to fight the battles of life to win their victory. There's a saying that the path of least resistance has made rivers and leaders to be crooked. Even the battle to be upright, the Bible said, Joseph said, and my sheep stood upright. He came and declared the, 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 the weakness and the frailties, the, the, the wickedness of his brethren to his father because he chose to stand and fight the battle of life and win. And one win will always produce greater wins. When the hand of God moves, God wants to see you stand for him and his hand will back you. Amen. Can I tell you something? From today, you will never lose any battle again. Amen. I say the hand of the Lord will strengthen you and make sure that you gain victory in the battles of your destiny. Amen. Never ever forget this, that when it looks like you are fighting a personal battle, it is not a personal battle. It is a battle for the army of God. It is a battle to stand for God. It is a battle between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. David saw the battle and he knew, even though Goliath was looking at him personally, he was fighting for the living God. Brethren, never let it leave your consciousness that your battle is not your personal battle. It is the battle for the kingdom of God. Because one mistake by a Joseph will rob Israel of the goodness of God in Egypt. One mistake by David will cause Goliath to override the armies of God. One mistake by Moses will keep the children of Israel 30 years extra in their place. 
One mistake by Joshua can mean that AI will win victory over the children of God. One mistake in the place of instruction can determine a win or loss. Never ever think that you are fighting a personal battle. Mm. Look at the magnitude of the God that is behind you. And look at the magnitude of the testimony and the help that is Thank behind you. you. There are innumerable company of angels. There are people who are praying for you. There are people who are looking up to you. There are people who are expecting you to win so that you can be an encouragement to them. Daniel can't mess up in Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego can't mess up in Babylon. They have to stand for God. And when they stood for God, God gave them a victory that was resounding. Nebuchadnezzar bowed. Darius bowed. Belshazzar bowed. Kings were bowing because men chose to fight their battle and gain victory. May the hand of God move for you. Amen. In this season. Amen. Establishing your victory. Enabling you to run and come back with conquest. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So David, he overcame in his personal battle. Mm. Very quickly, what will move God to move into, con- into contention with what is contending with you? What will move God to move into contention with what is contending with you? What are the things that we can glean from these three examples, evidences, that will move God to move in contention with what you are contending with? Very quickly, number one, you must not fear. Look at your neighbor and say, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Number one, fear not. Mm. Fear not. Exodus chapter 14, 13 to 14. Fear not. In the whole of the Bible, there are 366 fear thou not in the Bible. Clearly telling you that every single day in your life, in a year, God is encouraging you not to be afraid. Joshua was going to battle. God did not give him spare. God did not give him anything. He kept telling him, Fear not, be courageous, be bold. Ladies and gentlemen, what you think you are afraid of is afraid of you. What did I say? What you think you are afraid of is afraid of you. It's afraid of you. Poverty is afraid of you because he knows the capacity of wealth that is embedded in the covenant. Demons are afraid of you because they know that the weapon of the blood gains victory. Satan is afraid of you because he knows that there is a thought here the Lord in your mouth. Jesus did not fight Satan with Kung Fu. He didn't fight him with Taekwondo. He only spoke words. He only did what? Spoke words. He said it is written. It is written. It is written. There is an it is written in your heart that must come out of your mouth. Amen. Are you following me? Yes, sir. There is an it is what? It is written in your heart. So don't fear. If there is anywhere, anywhere the enemy is projecting fear, fear that's damn the fear, and choose to fear God more and speak his word, and you will see victory. Amen. There, please, can you read it for us? Exodus 14. Verse 13 to 14. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. I read in Jesus' name. Amen. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand mm. still and see the salvation of the My Lord which God. he will show to you today. Oh. For the Egyptians whom you have seen ya today, ba- you shall sh- see them again no more forever. 14. The Lord will fight for you, mm-hmm. and you shall hold your peace. Did you hear that? Mm. I prophesied to you 
by the word of the Lord. Whatever is a contention against your destiny today, you will never see them again in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Bible said, God told them, fear thou not. Fear not. Do not be afraid. What you see today, you will not see them again. Amen. It must enter into your consciousness that God is willing to fight for you. Amen. God is ready to fight for you. In fact, God has fought for you before you appear. Yes. When he gave Jesus on the cross, it was the greatest battery, battle strategy that enforced your victory, established your victory, and gained your dominion before you were even born. Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth. That means our victory is secure. Are you following me? That's why if you understand, the Bible says, thank God who causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Look at the Bible say, fear not. Fear not. So number one, fear not. Number two, faith is needed. What did I say? Faith is needed. Because it is only with faith that you can quench the fairy tats of the enemy. The shield of faith, Ephesians. The shield of faith. It is only with faith that you can bring down all their arrows and you just nullify them, say rubbish. Now look at this. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 to 37. First Samuel 17. Please read for us. First Samuel 17, 34 to 37. 34 to 37. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 34 to 37. I read in Jesus' name. Amen. From 34 it says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant get his father's sheep. And there came a lamb and a deer, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, mm. and smote him, and delivered it out of them of his mouth. And mm. when he arose against me, I caught him by his bed, mm. and smote him, and slew him. Thy servants live both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he had defiled the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the power of the lion, and out of the power of the bear, he shall deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. What that tells you is that faith is contagious. All the while Saul was there, everybody was rejected. Knees were buckling. People were scared. But when he came up in faith, then Saul remembered that God can go with somebody. <laughs> that the hand of the Lord can move with somebody. All the while they were scared. He didn't tell anybody the Lord go with you. But the moment he saw somebody with faith, he remembered that God still exists. Your faith will move you forward. Your faith will move others. Your faith will move the earth. Your faith will move everything. This is somebody that saw that. a young boy that saw a lion. He went to lion. He has he has taken the sheep. He went to still grab the lion. I mean, that, is, that is faith. That is faith. People rather say the lion. You have taken the sheep. Leave the lion to go. But the faith was charging inside of him. Something was pushing him. When you enter the realm of faith, you don't calculate what you do. You do before you calculate. You ask, how did I get here? Are you following me? <laughs> so something was pushing the young man. Something was pushing him. It is called faith. Thank you, Lord. It is called what? Faith. Faith is needed. And faith comes from the word of God. Faith comes from the word of God. Faith comes from the presence of God. Faith comes from knowledge. 
Faith, he said he knew God was with him. The same God, he knew God. His faith was not based on his ability. His faith was not based on his knowledge. His faith was based on God. He said that God, after he has talked about what happened, he knew where his faith was coming from. And he said that God would deliver me. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. The same way fear comes by, by hearing and hearing fearful things. Are you following me? That's why Jesus, scripture speaking, he said, don't even mention their names. <laughs> so I messaged Kenny Copeland, preach. he said, talking about all the, all the things that happened. He said, don't mention the name. He was just like, don't, don't arrogate any honor to it. There are people now, their message is centered around what is happening in the world today. Everybody, everything is, oh, no. Faith is speaking the word of God in the midst of the problems of the world. Speaking the word of God in the midst of the battles of life. Speaking the word of God. It may not show results today. It may not show tomorrow, but it will definitely speak at the end. Amen. That's why one of the things you must never do is don't lose your faith. Look at everybody say, don't lose your faith. Don't Don't lose your faith. faith. Never lose faith in God. Never lose faith in his word. Never lose faith in his miracles. Never lose faith in his power. Never lose faith in the name. Never lose faith in the blood. He has given us everything that magnifies our faith, escalates our faith, and emboldens our victory. You are a victor. Amen. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said you are a victor. Amen. You didn't hear me. I said you are a victor. Amen. Your victory will be resounding. The enemies of your destiny will be put to shame. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Very quickly and finally, number three. Follow. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Follow. All of God's divine instructions. Follow divine instructions. What did I say? Follow what? Divine instructions. Because it is instructions given by God that compels his hand to be with us. Are you following me? From root case, that's our place of study. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 2, verse 18 to 21. Can somebody read it? Joshua chapter 2, verse 18 to 21. Follow divine instruction. Follow divine instruction. Joshua chapter 2, 18 to 21. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Joshua 2, verse 18 to 25. 21. 18 to 21. Yeah. Hallelujah. When we come into... The land. Mm. Thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread mm. in the window, which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. And we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. Mm. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quit of thy oath, which thou hast made us to swear. 21. And she said, According unto your word, so be it. And she went, sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. 
Hallelujah. Now, if you follow this story very carefully, you will notice that this, they told her that when she heard that they are coming, she should tie the rope. But Rahab was too obedience conscious that the moment they left, she tied the rope. She didn't want to be sleeping when they will appear. She didn't want to be unconscious. She didn't want to miss it. She doesn't want any story. So instantly as they were leaving, she tied the rope there and said, I will not wait until when they come. I will tie the rope. Let it not just be a sign to them, but a sign to heaven Hallelujah. that I'm obeying divine instruction. Hallelujah. Now, one of the things that people do is to look at a man when they want to obey God. Forget man and obey God. Mm. These people carry God. Hey. Forget the man, follow the God. Not as if it is a license for a man of God to be, to be, to misbehave. No, no, no. I'm only telling you, let God know that it is him you are after. Mm. These people gave Scarlett, say, when we come and you hear that you have started dancing around, then tie the thing. She said, God, I, I, these people are human beings. This is a sign that I have chosen to follow you. I tie it now. Hallelujah. She obeyed divine instruction. That is why one of the undoing of the church is when people take instruction for granted. They are general instructions that God has given to us. They are specific instructions that God has given to us personally. And they are vision instructions that God has given to us to fulfill our vision. Samson was given a personal, a general, and a vision instruction. All of them, he just modeled it. Honor your father and your mother. He modeled it. Don't, don't um, touch him, death him. He modeled it. Then the one of the vow, he also modeled it. Everything. If not for the mercy of God. So what are we trying to say? Divine instructions. Follow them very quickly. And that was what moved the hand of God over the life of Rahab and her family members and everybody who came under her roof. That is what the hand of God does. If you come under the protection of the hand of God, either by mistake or by, by choice, it moves. It moves. The Bible tells us about Lot. Lot just followed Abraham. He was not the blessed. He followed and the hand of God moved. And also made Lot very extreme, extraordinarily, massively rich, heavily monicated. The same way, everybody that came under Rahab's roof, under the followership of that divine instruction, they were saved. Whether they were Jerichans or Israelites, wherever they were, Egyptians, as long as you came under that house, it has always been so. People who fall in the line of divine instruction and follow it, they always see the hand of God move. I pray for you, you will not miss any instruction. Amen. You will not miss any instruction. Amen. That your amen is not serious. Amen. I said you will not miss any divine instruction. Amen. The instruction that will give us progress this season, we receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. The instruction that will move the hand of God Hello. on our behalf in this season, we connect it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Lift up your voice this evening and thank God for his word. Lift up your voice and thank God for his word. Lift up your voice and thank God for his word. 
Praise God, and from the onset, we have looked at the keys to prosperity. We have seen a whole lot about prosperity, and then I believe that as you you look into those words and then hear them over and over again, God will continue to cause your prosperity to be established, to flourish, and for you to perpetually walk in prosperity in the name of Jesus. Uh, by next week, we'll be putting those messages on anchor, and then that means if you if you have, if you don't have Anchor, if you're hearing us and you want to still listen to them again, you can just download the Anchor app and then from there just check Jet Solomon Jonah and then you'll find the messages on Anchor and then other messages too, other messages, praise God, other messages on relationship and what have you and I believe that God will bless you. Amen. God is building His church and the gates of hell cannot prevail, praise God. Very quickly because of time we are looking at Overcoming the ten enemies of prosperity. 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 So very quickly we'll look at Psalm 122 verse 6 to 7. Psalm 122 verse 6 to 7. Psalm 122, verse 6 to 7. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Psalm 122, verse 6 to 7. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 
That is very abundant in prosperity. So very quickly, our aim this morning is to understand the essence of protecting our prosperity. Number one, to understand the essence of protecting our prosperity. To understand the essence of protecting our prosperity. Number two, are you there? To on number one, I take it again. To understand the essence of our prosperity. And then number two. To, to outline and explain these enemies of prosperity. Our aim is to outline and to explain these enemies of prosperity. And then number three is to see the weapons to perpetually keep those enemies out of our palace of prosperity. To perpetually do what? To perpetually keep those enemies out of our palace of prosperity. I start from the number one thing again. Number one thing again. Number one is to understand the essence of protecting our prosperity. To understand the essence of protecting our prosperity. To understand the essence of protecting our prosperity. Number two is to outline and explain these enemies of prosperity. To, to outline and explain these enemies of prosperity. That's number two. And then finally, number three, to see the weapons to perpetually keep these enemies out of our palace of prosperity. Now, one thing you must come to terms with is that everybody was born to be prosperous. Everybody. Everybody was what? Born to be prosperous. God has a plan and his plan and intention and his will is that we be prosperous. Praise the Lord. And it is not just for us to be prosperous, but for us to be super prosperous. Now, what that means is living in more than enough. Where you can be a blessing to yourself, be a blessing to your family, be a blessing to your neighbors, be a blessing to your city, be a blessing to your nation, and then be a blessing to your generation. Hallelujah. Amen. Where we can be a blessing to our generation. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So what's the essence of protecting our prosperity? What's the essence of protecting our prosperity? Because God knows that your prosperity is essential. First, to your well-being. Second, Two, his work. Three, to be a blessing. To be a blessing. He wants you to be a blessing. He wants you to be what? A blessing. God wants us to be blessings. 
in this generation. Praise God. One thing you must, one thing you must understand is that God created us to dominate, occupy, spread, grow, multiply, flourish, and expand God's kingdom. What did I say? God created us to do what? To dominate, occupy, spread, grow, multiply, flourish, and expand his kingdom here on earth. And do what? And expand his kingdom here on earth. Over there, chapter 1, verse 17. The Bible says, Through prosperity shall his cities be spread abroad. Sorry, Zechariah chapter 1, verse 17. Sorry. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 17. He said, Through prosperity shall my city yet be spread abroad. Praise the Lord. Through what? Through prosperity. God speaking. Shall be city. So we have not been called to be overpowered, but we have been called to occupy. Jesus didn't say, Be overpowered till I come. He said, Occupy till I come. And there, there is very little you can do without being a prosperous person in this earth. Very little. In fact, my father-in-law, the Paul Elijah, said that the amount of money in a man's hand determines what God wants to do with the man. <laughs> that it goes to a large extent in speaking what God wants to do with the man. That's why one of the things you must conquer is the understanding of the essence to be prosperous. If you are able to understand it, you have gained a major victory against the enemy. If you are able to understand that God wants you to be prosperous, that God's will is for you to be prosperous, and it becomes something that you know without all out of that. It is not about money being in your pocket at that time, because it is the knowledge of this truth that begins the revival of your rebellion against the works of the enemy and his plans to keep you small, keep you poor, keep you impoverished. Look, I never said I can't be kept under. Oh, business, I can't be kept under. Now, this is not a teaching on materialism. It's not about gathering wealth. No. It is about being a tool in God's hands to affect your generation. Being a tool in God's hands to enhance the work of God. Being a tool in God's hands to expand his kingdom. Imagine what can happen if you, can, if you look at the places you see where churches are needed. You look at people who are good preachers, who are anointed, who have are, who are, who are the zeal for the work, but are limited by finances, limited by resources. And then you think about it and you say, God, if you will put this in my hand, then I will, so, I will make sure that the whole gospel goes all the way. Just imagine. The Abonki during his lifetime said that, yeah, he was saying, uh, he saying he's talking somewhere and then he was talking about, he was talking about Rehabonki being a blessing to me. No, Rehabonki sorry, was talking about Dr. Copeland being a blessing to me. Said he was just saying in, in, in said one one time Dr. Copeland came and paid paid tithes that the tithe he paid what he paid to him 
as a blessing was so massive that he handled like some crusades. So imagine. And then look at what a fellow man of God did for another man of God. Imagine if it was all this, this mentality of competition. And he looked at him and said, Oh, if I do that, it will make his work grow. No. He chose by God's leadership and he supported him. And the kingdom of God was just grew. Look at how massive. You know that it is not, it's not $2 million. It's not $10 million. It's a lot of money. But what we're saying is that prosperity, the essence is that you get to be a blessing to God's work. You get to expand God's kingdom. Hallelujah. Now look at this. Very important. God has called us to a heritage of prosperity. It's our heritage. He has called us to a heritage of prosperity. Like I told you before, he has also asked us to occupy till he comes. If you have to occupy a place, there are things you need to have. <laughs> Some people jokingly say that you don't, you don't occupy on this earth until you have a landed property. Praise the Lord. Until when you have a landed property, you, you, have, you are not really living on this. They are not really relevant on this earth. Now, what they are trying to say is, when you have a place, imagine the work that certain men of God that are very massive in the world are doing without access to the property they have. They lease the property from one organization that can change its leadership at any time. Praise the Lord. Are you following me, please? That can change its leadership at any time. And then all of a sudden, one, one man who doesn't squeeze an antichrist just becomes the head of the place and says, well, you can't use this place again. Knowing that this is spreading the gospel, Dr. Paul Edenter, Pamela was saying one time that, I think it was in 2007, that they stopped them from using the national stadium. Is it not so? That was when he came to start to build a hundred seater church or something that was like the stadium. Because they stopped them. Hallelujah. Because that do a stop. So now you can't stop him. You can't stop him from holding crusade, according to him, crusade every Sunday. Every service is a crusade. Hallelujah. Praise God. So very quickly, Let's look at this. What are the enemies of prosperity? What are the enemies of prosperity? Very quickly. What are the enemies of prosperity? Number one is iniquity. Number one is what? Iniquity. Iniquity is the first enemy of prosperity. And we're looking at scriptures, Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. The first enemy of prosperity is iniquity. Genesis chapter 3, 17 to 19. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 17 to 19, I read in Jesus' name. Amen. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, 
and had eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cost is the ground for thy sake, and so shall thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and priestesses shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the head of the field. Hallelujah. This man went from enjoying sorrows and thorns and thistles. Now, Eve committed the feast. Eve ate the fruit and gave to him. And then, I intentionally picked the man because the man is the head of the home. And so the prosperity has been punctured. So now it has to be toil, sufferings, thorns and thistles. So you find out that iniquity, he just he just destroys and diminishes a man's prosperity. Now, iniquity is the consequences of sin. They did this, and this is what happened. It is like robbing a man of all that he has. That's what sin does. Sin robs a man of ingenuity, robs a man of wisdom, robs a man of, of, of unimaginable riches and wealth, resources. Now, I mean from spiritual resources to material resources. It blocks, it cut, it, sin cuts Abraham, Adam sorry, off from God. It just pushed him out of the place of, of, of the presence of God. That's what sin does. And you cannot prosper without the presence of God. Because it is when you are under his presence that influences, I mean, Positive influences. That's when you hear God saying, This is what you should do. That's when you hear God saying, This is what you should do. Can you go and say he was inside and he was in an aeroplane flying and then he was reading the newspaper? And while he was reading and just meditating and singing a song and then he, he was just singing and melody, making melody and reading the newspaper and then he said he could feel the presence of God around him. And then he saw a, 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 a land and then they said it was for sale. He just picked up the Holy Spirit said, Go back there, go back there. He said, land, I'm not said, go back there. He went and saw and said, buy this land. Now, somebody will say, is the Holy Spirit an estate agent? No. He knows what to make it. Now, do you know when he bought that land, according to him, several years later, it was they found oil in that land, and the government is paying royalty to today. Yeah. Can you imagine? So, the presence of God gives you that, and it's the Bible says, and you shall hear what saying behind you. This is the way, walk in it. And most major prosperous moves come from God, and one little move can make all the matters, or can give you all that matters in your life. One step, one move, one connection. So every spirit of iniquity that wants to rob anyone of what God has prepared for them, we curse him from his root in the name of Jesus. We ask that the power and the mercy of God uphold you to keep you in the path of righteousness. Forever in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You shall not be caught. Amen. You shall not be a snake. Amen. By sin or by iniquity in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So first one is iniquity. Number two is insincerity. Insincerity. Hallelujah. Insincerity. Insincerity will always gotten in the insincerity is somebody shortchanging themselves shortchanging themselves hallelujah Proverbs chapter 12 verse 13 insincerity 
Proverbs chapter 12, verse 13. Can somebody read for me, please? Amen. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips. But the righteous escapes from trouble. Hallelujah. Let's see King James. King James will render it. So the wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips. But the just shall come out of trouble. Hallelujah. Did you see that? It means the wicked man is 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 kept. Kept from prosperity, kept from blossom, as in his trapped. He can't make any good move. He can't see any better. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of the things I've, the little time I've talked to people who are fraudsters and trying to reach out to them, they always ask, What else can I do? I, I don't have any other thing to do. Doesn't it show clearly that this person is in a snare? His robes. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. His wickedness has kept him in a place where he doesn't see any other thing. When he talks to himself, but what else can I do? And, and, you know, they always don't see any other thing because they are snared. Insincerity has kept them in a place where they don't know any better. But we pray for them today. We, we okay. declare over every garment, every veil, every covering of insincerity that has ensnared men, kept them in the place of penury, kept them in the place of impoverishment. We command the blood to break his hold in the name of Jesus. Amen. So insincerity keeps a man, he doesn't see any better, he doesn't think any better. Are you following me? He doesn't see any better. You meet, a, you meet somebody who is depressed and say, can't you do this? I can't do another thing. Can you imagine? That means you, 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 with all that God has created you with, you, the person just can't see any better. That's what insincerity does. Praise the Lord. So insincerity gets a man. Number three is, is what I call carnality. 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 Carnality is lust and passion that keeps a man far from God. <laughs> Just keeps a man. Lost passions, fleshly desires that keeps a man far from God. Hallelujah. That does what? That does what? Keeps a man far from God. Even there are people who are called carnal Christians. Everything they do as a Christian, they calculate it. They want to justify it. They want to justify it. They, you, you tell them about how it's important that they, 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 they see God's work as their own. And they tell them God's work is God's work. Their work is their work. Those are the kind of people they are inquired. They may even be, be ministers in the church, but when they come to their business place, you are telling them, no, it's not right to do this. They say, no, church is church, business is business. <laughs> because their eyes is based on the greed of gain. So they always want, they come, to, they come to church and they believe everything that happens in church should be in church. But when they come to their businesses, 
In fact, some people even think that they can do anything as long as they are giving the carnal mind just feels what was the other one time? I want to just, you know, I want to be, uh, if a person is a prostitute and then they come to donate money to church, <sighs> the money of a prostitute shouldn't enter the church, according to the scriptures. So, but look at this the carnal mind always, always is way out of God's, they don't, they, they are contrary to God's plans, God's instruction, they don't do things contrary. And they always have this intention that they can always find their way out. Hallelujah. Oh, Judas, he's okay, he will disappear. He will disappear. They, they won't be able to have been disappearing before. Oh, since I've been stealing from this, the, the pocket, the person, nothing has really happened. Let me continue. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So the, the third enemy of prosperity is what? Carnality. This is where you see people who, who say, what's, in fact, they would rather take from, from the work of God. They tell them, they sit on committees and they want to build the cathedral. They build it for 40 years. Every year they change the, the building committee and then this one, they argue, say, you have eaten, how many years have you eaten now? It's not time to change the people who are eating this thing. That's the argument. <laughs> Yes, I know your, your father was in this board. Now you have, they have also put you in. Eh? I have not been in this board. These are people arguing over God's money. Praise God. So the carnal mind that once, you are, once a person is living in that state of life, there is no way they can ever prosper. Because they are punctured, they are, they, are, they are bags of prosperity. Nothing can hold. Nothing can hold sway. Their lives cannot be any better. They, are, they, are, they can't even think of anything that is creative. They can't. Hallelujah. Praise God. Number four. Okay, the scriptures for, for Canaanite is Romans chapter 8, verse, verse 7. Romans chapter 8, verse 67, please. Romans 8, 67. Can we read that? Romans 8, 67. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 67. Amen. And it says, If our minds are ruled by our desires, we will die. Wow. But if our minds are ruled by the Spirit, we will have life and peace. Our desires fight against God. Because they do not and cannot obey God's commands. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. But the carnally minded is death. But the spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the Lord of God. Hallelujah. Neither is it can be. Thank you, Jesus. Are you seeing that? A dead person cannot prosper. <laughs> a dead person cannot do the soul. In, in, in the eyes of God, those who don't exist, they are dead. So the, the original portion, the original portion of initiative, initiative, wisdom, grace, favor, all those things don't come around them. Because to God, they are dead. Hallelujah. They don't exist. And that's how people live their life. They just... They just remove themselves from God's plan. They just remove themselves. Canality removes them because the moment you want your own desires that are contrary to the law of God, 
you have actually exonerated yourself from the prosperity of God. Well, that's what many people do. They, they think it is by, you, you hear some people, they say, well, um, uh, 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 my heart and money. My heart and money. So, when it is hard and it is because they choose to work in their own desires. I desire to get this contract, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to look for how to bribe the chairman. Well, bribe the accountant, bribe everybody. So their desire is the money. Their desire is not to please God, not to walk after God's law. That's what the Kahneman does. Praise God. They just want to achieve their ambition by all means. They are ambitious, they are passionate, they are lustful, and in so doing, they negate God's work and don't give it that. All they are is, I want my design money that is. I, did, I heard of somebody who was the bank manager, but in his quest to get money, he resigned from the bank and brought Luto, Luto machines into his house. Started playing Luto. This and, and what, what do you call it? How do I call it now? But all these things they do on, you know. That's it. Somebody at that level, master's degree in marketing, in banking and finance, and then he comes, he comes to the point, he's lost and grief for money, brings him to the point where he, he bought the, the machine. That's a kind of mental degradation is that. Hallelujah. So that's carnality. Number four is, number four is mentality. Mentality. That's an enemy. Mentality. Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. Numbers 13, verse 3. It's when somebody has the, the mentality that makes them a defeated person. Numbers 15, 13, verse 3. Please, you can read, please. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I read in verse 9. Amen. Numbers 13, verse 3 says, And there we saw the giants, the, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Hallelujah. Mm. Their mind, their mentality, Bible says, as a man thinking in his heart, so is their mentality had turned them into a mindset, a grasshopper mindset. They didn't just see themselves as grasshoppers. They left their own eyes, jumped into the enemy's eyes, and saw from the enemy's eyes too. <laughs> Not just their own eyes. They left their eyes, went into the enemy's eyes, and saw from the enemy's eyes that they are grasshoppers in the enemy's eyes. That is, it is like robbing yourself of personality. And also giving somebody the right to rob you of your personality. That's what they do. As in robbing yourself of prosperity and also giving somebody the right of also robbing you of prosperity, of robbing the person of prosperity. Of, of prosperity. So a mentality is, is, is a mind made up. No, people from our place don't have cars, don't build houses. We don't go to school. Your grandfather was a mechanic. I am an organizer. You, you better be a panel beater. What do you 
are you talking about education? Why do you want to see? These things don't happen to people like us. That, that is a, a defeatist mentality. Well, everybody around here, that's, that's the, the, almost like a crab mentality. Everybody around here, nobody goes up. You want to go, they pull you down. Say you want to sell crab, just put, put many crabs together. They'll keep pulling each other down and you get to where you're going to. That's a mentality. And once somebody has, God forbid, developed a mentality towards prosperity. Can I put that in Can I take him, Reverend? Can I take my blessed memory? would always say that those days in the church they say, you, you, <laughs> you make them poor, we keep them humble. As in, anybody who is a preacher, shouldn't be, he shouldn't see anything good. Just before his, his pants worn out, as in his trousers worn out, his shoes bent, they just they make sure that prosperity, poverty, is part of the pastor's life or part of the Christian's life. Remember, remember when several years ago, Bishop Esther said when we bought messages, the people people excommunicated him. One of the richest, one of the very wealthy men in Nigeria those days, his name is uh, Gamaliel or Nosobi. He was a Christian from beginning to from from early age. He said he, he bought up many companies in about 1960 something. And then one of the days he went out and bought a Mercedes, a Mercedes Benz, because he had too much money. And then the church has communicated him. That Mercedes Benz parked in his house and rotten in his house. He loved it. He wanted to drive it as his status at that time. But the church said, no, you, you can't do this. You are a sinner. <laughs> you are a sinner. With all the money he was being given to church. Don't want to call the church here. <laughs> you are a sinner. You are, you are, brother, you are, you are backsliding. How can you buy this kind of car? For what? You should buy a box with you. Invest with you or a Toyota Tassel. Don't go near Santana. That, that's the Santanas were seen as cars for arm robbers. Invest <laughs> in Santana was seen as cars for arm robbers. Praise the Lord. So when I your best house about the messages and he bought the five hundred cell, the way the the everybody was like, oh, this man is Santana. Praise God. So, the mind. That's why every time I read the place in, in, in Proverbs 30 where he said, Give me food enough for me. Don't give me prosperity. I said, No. This, person, this, this man doesn't really understand. God said, We should have, we should be blessed to be a blessing. That's the point. That we should be what? Blessed to be a blessing. And the extent of our being a blessing is not limited. It's not limited. It's not limited. It's not limited. Praise God. Praise God. So number four is number five son is immaturity. Immaturity. Acts seven twenty two to thirty is a long reading. Immaturity. Number five is immaturity. Immaturity robs men of prosperity. Immaturity. Immaturity. 
Acts chapter 7, 22 to 30. Some people, like, um, like um, um, 
Father the Lord said, he calls it the early arrival mentality. The early arrival. When you arrive too early, you arrive too slow. Most times you see people, I, I began to, I began to, and I said, the best thing to do is to take time to build yourself and know what God is doing in your life. So that when you come, you come out full. When you come out, you come out loaded. When you come out, you come out ready to deliver. Praise the Lord. Like the Bible says, very clearly, in his time, he makes all things beautiful. In his own time, he makes all things beautiful. Look at the analogy of an orange. If an orange is not mature, it will begin, it will, it will cut the tongue. It will be very acidic. But when it's, it's mature, when it's, it's, it's come to, it's, it's full, blown, ready to ripe. Oh, you just enjoy it. You just enjoy it. Praise the Lord. My prayer for you is that what God is doing in your life and doing in our lives, we will see God mature us Amen. and give us the platform to which He has prepared for us. No matter what Joseph did, at the time when Joseph was in charge of Potiphar's wealth or house, he would never have been able to reign over the whole of Egypt. He would never have been capable. His capacity would not have been able to carry it. But God used all that happened to mature Joseph. And by the time Joseph got to the place where he was mature, he knew what to tell the king, and the king saw that what he was saying was the right thing to do, and he brought him to a place of prosperity. I pray for us in this season, that thing that God had been preparing you for, moving you, building you, enlarging your capacity for, suddenly in this season, he shall speak. Amen. He shall speak. Amen. In the name of Jesus, he shall Amen. speak. That thing that looked as if it was impossible two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, that plan, as you bring it in this season, God will open doors and will see it prosper in the name of Jesus. Amen. You are looking at what you have held and kept as a dream, but from this season, I release the favor of God. I release the mercy of God. I release the power of God to bring you to a platform like Joseph where it is accepted, it is celebrated, it is executed, and you are prosperous. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I said where it is accepted, where it is executed, where you are prosperous. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So you look at your see it's your season. It's your season. Oh, I tell, I tell myself, it is my season. It's my season. Oh, my plans are maturing. My favor is maturing. My breakthrough, my opportunity is maturing. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So number six is insensitivity. 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 We'll look at the scripture Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12. It's actually ignoring God's need. It says, it is either blind, deaf, or deaf to God's need. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Insensitivity is what? Either deaf, blind, or dead 
to God's leading. God is saying something and the person is not here. Amen. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Are you seeing that? They are dead. Dead to God's instruction. That's what says it. God is saying something, the person is not here. There's this scripture that says, hearing many things, but see many things, but observe it not. See, everything is speaking, but the person is not here. The person is not seen. The person is not perceived. Hallelujah. I pray for you that when God speaks, you will hear. I didn't hear your amen. I said, I pray for you when God speaks, you will hear. When God directs, you will see. When God is saying, you will know. Your spirit will receive. Your ears will hear. Your heart will perceive. You will follow what God is saying. Most people have lost major opportunities because of insensitivity. When men are not sensitive, they lose out. They lose out. They lose out completely. Praise God because of time. Number seven. While you can take responsibility, when men are irresponsible, Judges chapter 16, verse 15 to 7. Irresponsibility is ignoring God's commandment. Judges chapter 16, verse 15 to 17. Judges 15, 16 to 17. It is ignoring God's commandments and covenants. That's irresponsibility. Ignoring God's commandment and covenants. Covenants. Hallelujah. What does it Ignoring God's commandments and covenants. Yes, please read for us. 16 to 17. Yeah. And it came to pass. 16 to 17. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 16 to 17 says, And something said, With the jawbone of an axe, hips upon hips. Is that? No, 16. 16 to 17. Hallelujah. Amen. 16 to 17, I read in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There have not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I were shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I, will, I shall become weak and be like any other man. Are you, can you hear that? This is a man that has covenant with God. Born for a reason. Prepared for a season. And then he is irresponsible with what God has sent him to do. Are you following me? Talking to the wrong person. First of all. And then divulging the right information to the wrong person. He was irresponsible. Praise the Lord. He robbed people of their prosperity. Now imagine if, if Samson was not speaking to Delilah, what he would have done to the Philistines? What would have happened? But he just messed up everything. Every spirit of irresponsibility around anyone in any we command it to be consumed by fire. Receive grace to be responsible. Receive grace to be responsible. In the mighty name of Jesus. Irresponsibility rose to people of spiritual sensitivity. It rose to people of spiritual power. It rose to people of wisdom. It rose to people of opportunity. Praise the Lord. Number eight, because of time, is timidity. I'll be very fast. Proverbs, Psalms chapter 78, verse 9 to 11. 
is unnecessary fear. What did I say? Timidity is what? Unnecessary fear. Unnecessary fear. Unnecessary fear. When you see people, what every, every, everything that we do in life is a risk. Getting up in the morning is a risk. Everything we do in life is a risk. Please speak for us. Amen. I said 9 to 11 before I finish. Did he pray my hand with the book, turn back to the day of battle? They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders in the land, in the field of Zohar. Hallelujah. It's okay. We've gotten it. They did what? They turned back. After they had they had gotten heavy promises from God, they knew that God was more than capable. They were carrying arms. They were fully loaded. And yet they turned back. That is unnecessary fear. That means God has given you a word. God has sorry, not God has given word. God has given confirmation. God oh God. And yet the people refuse to move. Every spirit of timidity is caused from his fruit in the name of Jesus. Amen. Timidity is unnecessary fear. Unnecessary fear. It's like somebody that prepared a meal for you and there is good chicken in it, all the food, and you are saying, if I put this thing in my mouth, man, you go and remove my throat. You have not started eating. <laughs> you have not started eating. And you are complaining about it. They are complaining about the bone. Hallelujah. Say, if I eat this meat now, the bone may go and hold my throat. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to die before my time. Hallelujah. That's, that's timidity. Because of time number... Number nine is inactivity. Inactivity. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26, please. Take them, carry them out immediately. Good ideas. 
good resolution. They are like crying babies. Carry them out immediately. Do them. That's what they mean. Inactivity will put a man in captivity. Inactivity will put a man in captivity. Just keep the man. Doesn't make any move. Doesn't do anything. And thanks to it, it is it's a synonym for inactivity is idleness. And when a man is idle, he has actually he will, act, he will eventually become hungry. <laughs> and when he's hungry, he will finally become empty-handed. Because you start eating from hand to mouth. But that's not your portion. In the name of Jesus. Number 10, very quickly, is promiscuity. 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 Genesis chapter 14, 49, verse, verse 3 to 4. Promiscuity. Promiscuity, that's number 10. Genesis chapter 49, verse 3 to 10. He's talking about Reuben, who was referred to as the SLS. He, he was given many titles, but said, You shall not accept because thou defilest my bed. Hallelujah. Please, can you read it for us because of time, please? Yeah, verse 3 to 4. Reuben, thou art my my might and the gain of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power, unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then divided thy heart, he went up to my couch. Hallelujah. Praise God. Promiscuity will destroy your prospect. Promiscuity will destroy prosperity. Reuben was given all forms of title. Excellency of power. Beginning of all kinds of heavy titles. But yet, he ended with, we shall not prosper. Permit me to use that. Because promiscuity will always destroy prosperity. So very quickly, number one, we said the first thing was what? Iniquity. Number two, we said it was insincerity. Number three, we talked about carnality. Number four, we talked about mentality. Number five, immaturity. Number six, insensitivity. Number seven, irresponsibility. Number eight, timidity. Number nine, inactivity. And number ten, promiscuity. Now, what are the weapons that can keep these enemies out of your prosperity palace. What can keep them out of your prosperity palace? I'll be very quick. Number one, identity. Identity. Iniquity is a mystery. And it is the mystery of identity, which is righteousness in Christ Jesus, that silences iniquity. Are you following me? I said what? Iniquity is a mystery. The Bible talks about the mystery of iniquity. And it is the mystery of righteousness that gives us a new identity for he that is born of God overcometh the world. Are you following me? If any man be in Christ is a new creature, second, Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17. If any man be in Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. You are a new man. Once your identity is changed, once your identity is changed, then you have killed the first enemy. You have sent him back. Are you following me? You have sent the first enemy of iniquity back. 
Once you identity, you become a Christian. Once you become a Christian, you live in the righteousness of God. Listen to this. The Bible says that is born of God overcometh the world. So number one, against iniquity is identity. And number two, against insincerity is sincerity. Sincerity. Genesis chapter 37, verse 53. Genesis chapter 37, verse 53. Because of time, I'll just explain it. It's just that the Bible says he came back and he told his father the evil report of the sons of Bilha and Zerubbabel. And then he was telling that while he, when he said that, his father made him a coat of many colors and loved him. Hallelujah. His sincerity gave him an edge. His choice to be sincere kept him to the end and his end was prosperous. Receive the grace to be sincere. Amen. And this grace will carry you to great prosperity Amen. for the kingdom of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I, hear Amen. I said it will take you to a great prosperity Amen. to enhance God's kingdom in the name of Jesus. Amen. Genesis 37 verse 2 to 3. Number 3 for concerning carnalities, the, the weapon to fight carnality is spirituality. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. It talks about spirituality. Say, for spirituality is what? Life and peace. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So once you are spiritual, you have enlisted in the army of God to prosper in his work. You have enlisted Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Number four is for mentality you use the weapon of authority. You use the weapon of what? Authority. Authority. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 72. Yes, please. 6 verse 17. Yeah. Christ 
just brings it down and ends carnality. We see grace in the name of Jesus. Amen. Number five is maturity. Acts chapter 7, verse 34 to 35. Because of that, Acts chapter 7, 34 to 35. Okay, Genesis 14, okay, 6 and 
Genesis 41. Genesis 40, sorry. I'm mistaken. The Bible says, And Joseph came in unto them in the morning, and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the world, in his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretation belong to God. Tell me then, I pray thee. But look at this, he was sensitive. He was sensitive to notice that there is a need to be met. And that was the beginning of his prosperity. Because it was the same people who, when there was a need in the palace, had to call him. And the king's palace became his own palace of prosperity. I see somebody making a move. Amen. Your platform is changing. Amen. Oh, I didn't hear you. I said your platform is changing. Amen. Oh, I said again, your platform is changing. What you have been doing in the secret, God is about to shift your platform. And this shift of platform will bring about your prosperity. Amen. Your imaginable prosperity, your untold prosperity. You, Things are changing Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So he was sensitive. He knew this was what to do. This was where to go. We need to be very sensitive. He was sensitive. And he told him to say, what can I do for you? They say that things or opportunities are dressed in work clothes. Only those who sense them. I had the story of Les Brown several years ago. Hallelujah. Les Brown several years ago. And he was saying, wow, that he, he, he wanted a job, but he knew if he went there and told them the kind of job he wanted to do as a distributor, as a radio station producer, they wouldn't employ him. So he came and said he wanted to be a cleaner. They said no job, but he kept pestering them until one day they accepted. He was sensitive, he knew that was going to be where God would announce him. From there he became a radio uh, a presenter, from being a presenter, he has become one of the richest motivational speakers because he knew his own place was to talk, to talk, to talk. May you find your place. Amen. May you excel in your place. Amen. And may you prosper in your place. Amen. Receive sensitivity. Amen. Receive grace to be sensitive. We receive grace to be sensitive in Amen. the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Joseph was sensitive. You will be sensitive. Number seven is responsibility. 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 John chapter 6, verse 6. Because of time, Jesus himself knew what you ought to do. Responsibility is knowing what you ought to do. Praise God. What did I say? Responsibility is doing what? Knowing what you ought to do. Several years ago, some students in the campus of Covenant University, they were asking Bishop David Eric, but they said, we all take, we, we take coffee, we take um, all kinds of things to be awake. But every time we come around in the night, walking around, we always see you awake. Sir, what do you take to be awake? What, what do you take that keeps you awake? And Bishop Eric would tell them, I take responsibility. <laughs> I take what? I take responsibility. Praise God. I do what? I take responsibility. So please, I want to enjoy you. Take responsibility and you prosper. Oh, you hear I say receive grace to be responsible. And I see your prosperity in the name of Jesus. Number eight is audacity. Audacity. Audacity is for timidity. Audacity is the weapon to fight timidity. The Bible says, God speaking to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. Joshua chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. Joshua. Chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. Joshua 1, verse 3 to 5. Go very quickly. 
Job time. Job 31, 5 to 10. Hallelujah. 
You could still see his love for God when he said, God, I'm sorry. His love brought him and his love sustained him. Are you fooling me? Love powers our authority. Love powers our maturity. Love powers our, our sensitivity. Love powers us to be responsible. Love gives us audacity because he has loved us and we love him. We know we are one. Love powers us into activity and love. Today propels our integrity. Not just because one people to see us as righteous people. No, our love for him makes us prosper. Using these people to chase out the enemies of our prosperity out of the palace of our prosperity. I want you to rise up this morning Thank as you talk to God. Rise up this morning, let us talk. Sensitivity. We come against irresponsibility. We come against carnality. We come against, we declare grace to grow, to mature. To mature. We reject every irresponsible spirit. We come against humility. We, 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 we rebuke fear. We rebuke fear. For we have not received the spirit of fear. But of love and of, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We receive grace. We receive the grace of God to become people who are active, active in the work of God, active in our service for God, active in our lives, active in our work. We are seeing movements, we are making progress. We move as when do, we walk as when do, we receive grace. To be hard workers, to work for God. We come against the spirit of promiscuity. Every root of promiscuity. Every root of promiscuity oppressing in any way. Whether they are transgenerational, whether they are generational, we come against them in the name of Jesus. We cause every spirit of promiscuity that wants to hinder our prosperity. We declare grace. Grace to walk in love for God. Perpetual love for God. Undying love for God. Father, we thank you this day. We give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. We pray together. For those of you who want to give your life to Christ, repeat after me this morning. Say, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I come to you today. I ask that the blood of Jesus will wash away my sins. I receive the grace to walk with you, to walk for you the remaining days of my life. Empower me with your Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. Lift up your hands and bless him. It's a good week. Going through your week prosperous. A new season of prosperity that will never end. The same way that Joseph, the same way that Joseph became prosperous and his prosperity never ended. Took him from one level of glory to another. The same way shall be your portion. Go. It's a new day for you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.